Hello, and welcome back to ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we do encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee, and we continue our series, The Heart of RDI. In this visit, Dr. Gutstein and I talk about the readiness of parents for guiding and how important it is for parents to focus on themselves when they're used to focusing on their children. So I know we're going to talk about a parent's perspective, knowing if, if your child is ready for dynamic intelligence. But where I wanted to start, because I think so many parents still struggle with maintain either understanding or maintaining the understanding that their guiding relationship is what's really key to this uh, not where their child is necessarily I thought it'd be great for you to speak to that um, and as a parent I understand that in fact from the very beginning you know we're talk, told about fixing our children uh, from so many professionals they don't really talk to us about fixing us being key of course our program does but we still wander back to that at times. Well, I think the, the key here is in the term guiding relationship and what that means. And I think sometimes we confuse things that we do on the road to forming that guiding relationship with what an actual guiding relationship looks like once it's been formed. And I like to use the um, analogy, if you will, of the rocket ship or the missile where there's an engine, there's two main parts. There's one is the engine, which provides the power, the thrust, and then there's the guidance system, which helps to steer it and helps it get to a certain destination. A lot of the things we do on the road to the guiding relationship don't necessarily look like that. There's a lot of um, sharing and and, uh, co-participating and, emphasizing being together. But when we really move to guiding, that means that the parent has been able to take a step back. And they've been, and that means that also that the child has now become very highly intrinsically motivated for growth, for trying new things, for expanding their world, for discovering. And the job of the parent then is not to provide that energy, but to guide it. And if we don't have the, if we haven't gotten to the point where the child has that desire and that drive and that energy, we don't yet have the ability to guide them. That's the whole idea of forming a guiding relationship. So if you're a parent and you're still feeling like, I have to worry about what activity to do, and I have to worry about motivating my child to, to do something with me, then we don't yet have a guiding relationship. And that doesn't mean you should despair. It means we have to focus on building that. And a big part of building that is building that growth-seeking motivation in the child, creating experiences that will heighten that desire that's intrinsic in every human being, whether they have autism or not, to want to seek out new things, to want to become more competent, autonomous, to want to have mastery, to want to expand and try out things, to really um, prefer to do things that are hard, that are more challenging, 
that's when we know that you can start to guide because then you're guiding that, right? You're not, you're not providing that thrust, that energy like the rocket engine, you're guiding it. You're making sure the child isn't overwhelmed by what they're doing. Sometimes they don't know and often they'll pick something that's too hard to do or not challenging, but you know, impossible or, um, you know, and so your job is to help take to step, step behind and to help to guide. Sometimes you're guiding by what we call co-experiencing. The child is interested in learning about their world. They may be pointing, they may be pointing things out to you with words, with gestures, and you're helping them to interpret, to make meaning in their world in a way that they can understand. So you are also functioning as a primary reference point when that child seeks you out. But again, it's that child providing the initiation, the desire to understand new things, to help to ask you to help them to understand, to make sense of things. That is the key. Right? So a lot of times this, this process does not get completed. People get involved in RDI and they get stuck and not knowing how to make that transition from the very beginning where we're building up what we call emotional attunement and that sense of we together, feeling good together, and then transitioning to becoming a guide. And I think that's where people get stuck. And so the most important thing on the road to dynamic intelligence, the road to be able to guide the, the development of your child's mind is to make that transition so that you really are experiencing what it's like to function as the guide, not the engine, right? And you'll know that you're doing that because you won't be worrying about how to motivate your child to be with you, how to, what activity I need to do now, I don't know activity, you won't have all that anxiety about you know, how to energize, how to provide the energy, which is not your job to do, right? Um, you'll be focusing more on what you might want to do to steer it. And you won't be doing something, you won't be acting as much or doing as much. You'll be thinking more about when not to do something and when to take a step back and when to take a step forward. You won't be feeling that exhaustion of having to continually act and act and act. And you won't be directing as much. Guiding is not directing. So I think that is the key transition to make. When we see that that's been established, then we can use the guiding relationship to develop the mind in all these wonderful ways that we have available to do that through, through what we've developed. I go back, back to me, you know, looking at the guide. Sometimes we as consultants will hear, well, I need ideas for activities because they're bored. They don't like this, but what they don't understand, and I understand why they don't is that wouldn't be an issue if all that you're saying here was in place. That's that, right. That's right. It, it, they're bored because they're, they're limiting the things, that they're limiting their own growth seeking. They're still afraid of things, of trying new things. And, um, and also, one of the other things that we see is that it's not about new activities all the time. I talk a lot about myself and my grandson, who's now two and a half, and we stick with, and who does not have autism, but we, we don't have new activities all the time. He wants to do the same types of things, but we keep expanding what they are, whether that's yard work, playing with his trains. Um, you know, he has a set of things to do, and it's not that we'll never do new things, 
but we don't have a need to because within the things we're doing, he's always reaching for more. He's always trying to figure out a, a, a way we can make the game we're playing a little more interesting or varied. And if I do introduce something, he's very excited by that. If I try to control it, he's not. But if I try to say, oh, what about we try it this way? He's very excited in doing that. So um, if you're feeling that need to set up new activities, it means we don't have a guiding relationship yet. And it means we have to work, rather than on activities, we have to work on using the activities we have to create experiences for that child where they can perceive the good feelings that come from mastery, that come from um, expanding, that come from seeing themselves having more ability in the world, ability to influence, ability to regulate, um, and that they can capture those experiences. Now you can create activities and the child can be smiling and laughing, but they don't necessarily retain any memories of themselves growing, mm. you know, and becoming more than they were. And so one of the most important things is to make sure, and we try to work on that very, very powerfully now, to find ways that they can perceive themselves as growing, as becoming more, as gaining, as, you know, working towards um, struggling a little bit, to feeling challenged a little bit, and then triumphing and succeeding and perceiving themselves capable of doing that and see that as coming out of the guiding relationship. Hmm. That those create, making sure we're creating those experiences is very important. So if we see a child who is still bored all the time or is not that interested in being guided or being with you, or you're feeling, you know, the, the, the reason that they're needing more and more activities is because they don't yet perceive that the main goal for them and the main excitement for them is their own growth, is their own development, their own um, learning from their own experience, their own you know, meeting new challenges and, overcome, and overcoming them and benefiting from them. They don't perceive that yet. They don't have that master, that desire for mastery. We have to build in. New activities aren't going to do that. They're going to do just the opposite. So that's a, that's a cautionary statement. And there, we haven't yet seen a child where that's not possible, where we can't do that. But we, may, we want to make sure that we're focused on that. And we get frantic, we get anxious, we start worrying about activities. We're just going to get into a dead end and we're going to frustrate ourselves and the child as well and get stuck. I think, too, uh, that there's this uh, almost checklist. And you and I, I remember a long time ago, we had a conversation about checklists. And you were really kind because you said, of course, people understandably like to be able to check things off. But when it comes to guiding as a parent, it, it's not a checklist. You don't, today, by, by Tuesday, I have <laughs> these things that give me the guiding relationship. A process of this nature does take time. It does take time. And of course, it's not just time. It takes time and it takes um, the recognition of what you're trying to achieve and focus on that. And, and that's why it's so important to know that if, we're, if we need to focus on building that motivation, that needs to be the primary focus we have and not be distracted by so many other things that might be on a checklist. And we're, oh, he doesn't have this yet. Let's do this, 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 this. Because if you miss out on the primary goal, then we don't establish a guiding relationship 
and then we're not going to be able to check off all those very high level mental skills and abilities and knowledge that we need to function in the real world. Those will never get checked off. So the key is that we have to focus on that first. That's a foundation to have because that is what we know. And we know this from years and years of research that that is the key to all of these higher level mental abilities. Um, there really isn't any other way that we learn them as a child. I think too, and, and I understand this as well, uh, inadvertently sometimes uh, parents have a checklist for their child that they can't get out of their mind. And I see this at times with my newer guides, though they're understanding what I'm saying, the reality of it is they keep, they keep looking for eye contact. They keep looking for these things. They keep looking for those little, what we call products, is essentially, uh, in the in their children. And I know I know there's a lot of history themselves. A lot of times from that, from other well-meaning folks who've got their own checklists that they've shared. Um, nothing uh, worse than having a, a speech or not throwing those things under the bus, but those kind of assessments that show you everywhere that we need to get checked off. But this just isn't that, and it can be really hard. I, I, and the children are so brilliant, they sniff out those demands real quickly if you're trying to get something from them. Now, you can have your own mental checklist. And when we're building this um, motivation, you can look for certain things and sort of check them off in your head. Of, is, is this child more excited to be with me? Um, is this child more interested in what they can do with our current frameworks or activities than needing something new all the time? Are they complaining less about being bored? Are they initiating more interest in helping and, and getting help with understanding their world around them? Are they interested in exploring new things? I mean, we can, we can give you a nice checklist, right? And that's, that can replace the other checklist that you have. So there's nothing wrong with having that mental checklist in your head because it tells you that you're on the right track, right? And as long as you can keep focused on that, there's no reason you can't do that. Uh, and be very specific about, you know, does the child remember the, themselves being having something hard that they were doing and then being able to accomplish it and feel the good satisfaction of that, of being challenged and then succeeding, um, of seeing that they could do something new they hadn't done before, of seeing that they can expand something and continue to grow it, whether that in any activity, um, of seeing themselves becoming more competent. That, that's a wonderful checklist to have. And I think we should have those checklists in our heads to make sure that we stay focused on what we want to achieve. Yes? It's almost for me like making sure I have the right checklist in my head. There you go, there you go. And not checklist of all these peripheral things that are going to distract you from what is critical and what is most important. And thanks for joining us for ASD, A New Perspective, the podcast show where we help you understand what is going on in the mind of your child. And we encourage you that growth for your child is possible. I'm Kat Lee. See you next time.